I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Kirsch. And we're your hosts for the Badassery Life podcast, a podcast where we have the privilege to sit down and talk with women we think are living badassery lives. These are ordinary women doing extraordinary things, women who are social activists, moms, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, mentors, and more. This is going to be awesome. Let's get started. So our first guest is a badass woman who has a special gift and ability to create a brave space for people to feel more at ease, to become the best version of themselves, and to spread that feeling within and among others. She does that by being the best, most authentic version of herself. She's a wife, mom, actor, LGBTQ advocate, and so much more. Meet Jenny White. Jenny is living her most badassery life as the founding executive director of Trinity Haven, Indiana's first and only home for LGBTQ youth who are experiencing homelessness and housing instability. Jenny herself is a member of the LGBTQ community and has a vast experience working with transitional housing and homelessness. We are excited to talk with Jenny about her work, her passions, her past experiences, and about about being the moaner for the past 17 years. <laughs> okay, let's just address that right now because the listeners are going to want to hear about that, but the listeners have to wait. So yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, Jenny, thanks so much for joining us. I actually want to get started on something that just really hurts my heart, and it's just something that I can't unlearn. Something that when I read the statistics, I thought this is just really, truly unbelievable. So 50% of LGBTQ youth who come out to their families receive a negative reaction. 25% are asked to leave their homes. Mm-hmm. 70 to 85% of LGBTQ youth without a place to stay have been forced out by their parents or are fleeing rejection or mistreatment at home. I mean, I'm not one to judge nor question somebody's decisions or actions, but why? Like, that just hurts my heart, and, and I can't wrap my arms around this. So can we talk a little bit about that and, and what you're seeing and, and experiencing there? Sure, sure. Um, well, Trinity Haven was created out of a conversation that was had with the, the service providers at IYG, the Indiana Youth Group, and they've been providing services to LGBTQ youth here in Indianapolis for uh, over 30 years. And they let us know that every every month between 40, sometimes up to 60 youth would come to them for services or support or a a workshop and, and say that they didn't have a place to go that night, that they'd been kicked out of their home or that they'd run away because they didn't feel safe there. And so they really were tracking that and trying to understand what was going on. And, and the, the reasons are as varied as the youth themselves. Um, But we know that here at the I would say at the buckle of the Bible Belt, <laughs> yeah, sure. we uh, we know that a lot of the religious teachings or beliefs of folks might be misapplied and um, misunderstood, and that idea of um, I put in air quotes around this. It's hard to do on a on an audio version, but like this idea of someone being not worthy of. Um, or not, not safe in their own home because of the religious beliefs of their families. Now, that's not the only reason, but it's a, it's a big reason. Um, there are all, there's also just a lot of fear and un, not understanding, um, between the generations about sexual identity and gender 
And I know several of us grew up with just this understanding of there's boys and there's girls and, and why, why does it have to be anything different? And we're coming into this understanding that gender really is not a binary and there is a lot of, there's still a lot to learn about that, but for parents and those in the older generations just don't understand that. And so that's met that, that non-understanding is met with fear and it's met with um, those knee-jerk reactions of, I don't understand something, so it must be wrong. So therefore, get out. And these are these are broad generalizations, sure, but sure. this is really kind of boiling down the 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 big themes, if you will, about why we're seeing so many youth not feeling safe in their own homes. And I feel like Kelly, I'm sorry, but I feel like this is such a right now such a hot button issue, and we're not going backwards with it. We're only moving forward with it. So to establish a baseline of understanding and empathy moving forward will be incredibly important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that we have an obligation to educate ourselves in how these definitions are changing and how folks are identifying and how we can be as accepting and affirming as possible in that it's not up to you or me to uh, label and or put someone in a box just so that we can make sense of it for ourselves. Because however, someone identifies is up to them. How they feel about themselves is up to them. It's not up to us right. to pass judgment on that in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah. And, and I guess um, I, I'm curious how you got connected with Trinity Haven. And um, I mean, that you're the executive director. So not only is it a new organization here in central Indiana, but uh, you're its first executive director. I mean, that's pretty badass. Thank so, you. <laughs> you know, talk a little bit about how you got connected with them, how you heard about them. And, sure, and sure. Your vision. I'm, yeah, this is awesome. It's super exciting. Um, I was, um, I was at a conference actually here in Indianapolis around housing options and serving the homeless, uh, neighbors. And, um, someone approached me regarding this, um, that was coming kind of down the line. They knew that that was, that it was happening and kind of said, Hey, this really feels like a good fit for you. You might want to keep your eye out for this. And I said, well, you know, thanks so much, but I'm really happy where I am. And oh my gosh, right? Like it was just pretty flattering, but. And that was Coburn Place, right? It was, yes, I was at Coburn Place. I was there for almost nine years actually, and really had no um, intention of leaving. I had always said I was going to retire there. And I guess careful what you, what you just put out (laughs) there, because you just don't never know what's going to come, come down the, down the way. Um, And so that, I think that was last October. And I kept, honestly, I kept praying about it and, and thinking about it. And I did a vision board for 2020 or 2019 and it kept showing up and it, God, I just had to kept, kept listening to it. And so I found out the day before the job posted that it was being posted the next day and kind of the heads up. And so I took a few more days to really kind of tighten up my cover letter and, and put that out into the universe because I was terrified of leaving Coburn. Um, I had years and years there. I had established an incredible team and I have, I still have a very personal relationship with my former boss and we were friends before I started working there and that just grew. And she's now, I can say a colleague and a mentor always has been, but it's shifted into this new way and that is wonderful. And so, um, I applied for the job, I was interviewed, and here we are. But I think that 
the fear of giving my resignation to someone that I admire so much and looked up to as another badass woman in the world. I just didn't know how to do it. This is one of the hardest conversations I think I've ever had in my entire life, but we're both better for it. And I think, um, we're both really excited about this opportunity for Indianapolis and that now we can work together as partners. But Jenny, what a great, um, intentionality that you put toward that process of doing your vision board and kind of really praying on it and thinking on it and seeing what the universe was going to deliver to you because it is easy. We do get inertia is a pretty strong, um, that can grip us Mm -hmm. and we can do things out of, or not do things out of fear. Right. And you kind of relinquish that and said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens here. So good job. Thank you. Thank you. It's so scary. Yeah. And this is a deep responsibility, right? I mean, it's a, it's a huge responsibility and you have, um, you know, community, you have kids, you have partners that are are really relying on the success of this. How do you hold that weight on your shoulders and, and really, uh, you know, hopefully you have that support around you to, to help guide you and and lead you, but talk a little bit about that because that's, 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 no, I appreciate that. It is, it is really big. Um, I am I, not only the first employee, I'm still the only employee of the organization. We're still um, navigating what it will eventually look like. Um, and as we are um, working on renovating this amazing house that will be this safe, welcoming, and affirming home to these youth, we are also navigating the application process to become a licensed group home with uh, the Department of Child Services. And so we'll be working with them. And so navigating both of those things kind of at the same time while starting a new business and while making sure that all of the insurance is in line. I mean, just all basic things that you think, gosh, everywhere I've ever worked, this has already been established. Right. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that means. You just walk in and it's what is What is that, right? right? So having to figure all of those things out at the same time um, of of corralling contractors and making sure that it, it's safe and, and all of that. Um, but I've, not, I've never felt alone. I've been lonely a little bit, just being the only person in the big old house that I'm in right now. But um, I've never been alone. I have an incredible support network in the organization, the um, executive, I'm the executive director. <laughs> You're like, Here we oh, are. Yes, that's me. The executive I'm committee of the board of directors, gotcha. right? Yes, like yes. Uh, Leanne Hirschman and Jeffrey Bauer and John Cron are just some incredible folks who have put their time, their energy, their blood, sweat, and tears into this over the last couple of years to see it come to fruition. And the, the entire board of directors is so behind what we're doing and are such amazing advocates for us in the community that I've never, ever, ever felt alone. I also have an incredible wife and my son who has just turned 16 is sort of my touch point for this at least age group. Sure, um, sure. And so I mean, he's currently identifies as cisgender and straight. And so I, it, but it's still just, he has friends who have experiences in life. And, and he is just sort of that touch point for me to say, Hey, you know, what's going on, right? You're 16, you're a kid. What's, what's happening in the world. And it keeps me honest. Um, it reminds me why this is important, not just those statistics that you mentioned and the other data that is available to us, but, but knowing that there are kids right here in Indianapolis that are likely going to be sleeping outside tonight and it's below 20 degrees. 
It just breaks my heart. I was going to say it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But I have, and when Stevie and I were talking about bringing you in as a guest, we're just so thrilled to know you and to know your background and your passion and you're right for this. And I'm so excited for you to lead this organization and this effort. And as Stevie said, you know, it's this movement and support. I mean, I have no doubt that you are going to have even more people behind you and wanting to support you and you we have your back also. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm excited to hear more. Talk real quick, just real quick before we move on to another topic with you, but what's the opening? Uh, like, when do you? This spring. Okay. This spring. Yeah. We're, it's, an, it's an aggressive goal still okay. with all of the, the dominoes that have to fall in the right order. Um, but I think it's it's reasonable to say that we are, are really focusing on opening this spring. Um, again, those dominoes have to fall correctly. So we're working as hard as we can to make sure that happens. What an incredible learning curve. All that oh you've had gosh. to learn through this process. Like you said, you usually walk in and it's all done for you. Sure, but sure. Your and skill set coming in, out of this. In my previous role, I had a lot of experience in operations and um, contractors and HVAC and plumbing and all of the things. And so actually getting the house renovated and, and up to code and that has been um, – one of the easier parts of this, which some may sound like, oh gosh, I don't want, ha- I don't even know what that means, but it's, it's the, all of the code requirements for DCS and becoming a licensed facility that serves youth, um, is the learning curve has been super steep. And so, um, surrounding myself with people who are so much smarter than I am <laughs> in these areas and helping to educate me, letting me know what I need to know, handling the things I don't, right. and, um, working together so that we can move forward with that application process. Well, Jenny, we're going to switch gears a little bit because in addition to all of the amazing work that you're doing, you also are an actor and director. I am. You started acting at the age of 12 and have been in a staggering more than 80 shows, including acting and or directing in the vagina monologues 29 times in the past 17 years. (laughs) Let's talk specifically about that show because you shared with us that it truly changed your entire life. You shared with us that you got pregnant on opening night, met some of the most amazing women, and you came out as a lesbian all during your time with the Vagina Monologues. Where do you want to start? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is such a loaded question. I know. I know. Gosh, I will try to truncate this as much as possible because it is – it really is 17 years of my life, but – um, it, all of those things are true. I, uh, when I was living in Evansville, I, um, was told that I was infertile. Like I had lots and lots of very invasive tests done on my body to determine that my ovaries really weren't functioning. Um, and I was told to pursue other options. And my husband at the time and I were devastated and, um, really didn't know as, I mean, we were in our twenties, right? Like how can you afford all of the things that come with like pursuing adoption processes and all of that. It was just, it was really exhausting and really disheartening. And, and being an actor, I wanted a distraction. And so I saw this call out for this play and I was like, it's called the vagina mom. <laughs> I know. I know. I, <laughs> what does that mean? You know? And so a friend of mine had a script and she let me borrow it and I read it and I read it again and I read it again. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm such a prude. I mean, really. <laughs> Really, I'm such a prude. You also said you were shy. I was like, really? I know. No really? one believe. No one believes that, but it's really true. So I, but I went and auditioned, or, and I went to the auditions, and there were 20, 30 people, women in the room, and I thought, oh my gosh, 
gosh, I've got to bring it. I've got to bring every piece of training I've ever had in my life in order to get cast in the show. Well, I didn't know then that every single person who shows up gets, gets cast, cast, right? <laughs> but I didn't want to I, – I mean, I needed this distraction badly. Right. So I didn't want the smallest part. Again, there are no small parts, only small actors. I 100% believe that. But I needed to bring it and I wanted to bring it. And I did. I auditioned with – this piece called The Woman Who Loved to Make Vaginas Happy. And she's a sex worker and she only did sex work with women. And what's unique about the vagina monologues, as an aside, written by Eve Ensler, she interviewed over 200 women around the world to learn about their experiences as women. And from those interviews became this play, The Vagina Monologues. And so the words that are in those monologues are actually the words and stories of real women from around the world. And so this woman happened to be a sex worker. And so uh, that is the um, classic, the moaner piece, because at the end of that monologue, this woman shares about maybe 20 different moans that she has heard over the course of her career um and the actor portraying that part gets to do all those moans so it's like harry met when harry met sally yes, that yeah. special you know time in the diner times like to the nth degree oh, right yeah. and so it's so much fun as a performer to do that part um are you thinking what i'm thinking well like, i'm wondering you- i'm wondering as a prude how did you get into i know right uh, yeah <laughs> and like your mom because okay. i'm Your seriously yeah. i'm seriously such a bird. but i'm 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 an actor and so it can right. and in the script it indicates kind of like the names of the moans and so you get an indication of what it might be or sound like i mean there's the southern moan well what what is that like what does someone in the south sound like right right, right. So, i mean like so you just make up stuff and as a performer as an actor you get to have creative license to do that and so it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun um and i think it's probably too much for your listening audience. Girl, we don't even know what listeners that. we have, so go for that's it. Right. That's, that's true, right. But yeah. I don't know that that... <laughs> well, I guess... Do you, so, do you have a favorite moan? Okay. Like, you can tell everybody she's turning all shades of red right now. But I totally do want to hear your favorite moan. Oh, gosh. My favorite? Oh. Oh, gosh. My favorite because it's the most ridiculous. And yet, this is true because it came from some woman somewhere. So, this is... The mountaintop moan. Oh my. Well done. Well done. So you're welcome out there. I don't know who's listening, but there you go. (laughs) Well, after that performance, we'll have throngs of listeners. I mean, that's just one of probably 20 different moans. Fantastic. That could be a total nether podcast. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Yeah, that's a little little much. But what's amazing about that is that night that I was cast in that role, I went to the – I did the show. It was one night only. And in Evansville, Indiana, which is this tiny little, very conservative on the – on the river with Kentucky, we sold out and it was 2000 seat theater one night only. And I, um, performed that monologue. I got a standing ovation myself. The show got a standing ovation as well. But as soon as I was finished with all of those months, <laughs> some gentleman in the audience looked at my husband and said, how'd you like to go home with her? <laughs> and my husband said, well, actually I am. <laughs> and so, um, that night, we didn't know it, but that night is the night that our son was conceived. Wow. And there's no medical reason that that happened. 
other than the magic of the show and what I credit the the spirit, if you will, of all of those women on stage with me, all of the women who Eve Ensler interviewed and brought forward into the play itself so that we could create that together, that experience. Yeah. And um, the one egg maybe my body ever cre- like developed and created and let happen was that night. And so, so this show gave you an incredible gift. It gave me my son, our son. Yes. And, and like I said, he just turned 16 and it's hard to believe that that's, that was the beginning of 17 years now of doing the show. Um, and all of the different ways that it's intersected in my life and helped me create space for others to come in and find their power to create change in their own lives, whatever that might look like. I have seen women, um, come into themselves in ways that I can't even explain, but hundreds and hundreds of women and scores of whom come back every year to do the show with us. We just had auditions this weekend and over 55 women have come out to be in this show this year that I'm directing. And I cannot wait to put that cast together and to create that space for them and with them and learn from them while I share with them what I know about the play and how we can create an incredible production and all of the benefits tr- benefit Trinity Haven, which is amazing to me as well. So it's a fundraiser for oh, nice. my own organization. But even more so than that, it's this space t- for women to come together and discover who they are, who they might want to be, and how to put the pieces in place to make that happen. Well, it clearly has moved you and changed your life, and I have to suspect that it does as well for the women who are involved, spectators, Mm -hmm. people, anybody involved in this show. It's amazing. So one of the things that you have said that I find so compelling and interesting is that you talked about how this showed you, this experience showed you that motherhood comes in many forms. Mm -hmm. Talk a little more about that. I'm so intrigued by it. Yeah, I think... And in addition to the obvious motherhood in my own experience and having my son come directly out of this production, um, I have I have seen, as I said said before, these women who have affected change for their own lives just because of the um, strength that they found with these other women, as we're often seen or expected to compete with each other. Um, I don't know how society set that up, but it did a good job. Yeah. And so I really try to break that down when we're together and help people lift each other up and lean into what they need most. And so watching folks birth their careers, make career changes that they never thought was possible. I know I also did that with Trinity Haven, but that was not, that was actually not at all related to the vagina monologues for me. Um, but watching the watching other people come together, and I've I've had I have folks that show up to audition and can barely say the words because they're I mean they're a little tricky to say sometimes and all the different ways that you can or different words that you have for the for the vagina. Let's be clear, but <laughs> I mean we're talking about women here, so here sure. we are. Um, but then by the end of the show, they're screaming these words from the stage and feeling such power and such courage and such bravery that the, the transformation in, in six weeks or less is um, 
is remarkable. And so then after the show, we all stay connected through a Facebook group or, or whatever you, what have you. And I can see their courage and their um, intensity for whatever makes them excited. Just continue on after the show's over and watching them create changes for themselves, for people they love, for whatever their opportunities. For me, it was, I kind of went back to that idea of Say I say I wasn't able to get pregnant with this, I still would have carried on and found the next thing or whatever that would have been to to give birth to. And so understanding this definition of mother is different and unique to every single person. And while there are some some folks in our in our world that are physical childless, they still have had the opportunity to give birth to something. You are giving birth to this podcast right now. Like this <laughs> is are. a brand new idea it for might you. Be just like, as painful, hey, right? You know? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. But to have the the wherewithal to do that and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go for that." You know, you happen to have that uh, chutzpah. <laughs> there are there are there are lots of women out there that don't and or or aren't sure of themselves, and so wanting to help create space where it's all okay. Yeah. And even the mistakes are great and we're going to learn from them and then move forward together. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, you said the show also taught you courage, a sense of self, independence, and ultimately it empowered you to come out as a lesbian. So let's just talk about that and going full circle to your job now at Trinity Haven. How was that news received by others? And then how do you think that helps or will help you in your position at Trinity Haven? And maybe it does. I mean, I'm I'm curious just in terms oh, sure. of that whole thought. No, I appreciate that. I um oh gosh, there's so much there. <laughs> I feel like I mean everything that I've already said, right, in helping in my own way break down some of those uh fears and uh the distraught that I had around my own in my personal life way back when and then over the course of the years being in the show multiple times, learning from the show. I have played other roles than just that that one particular part. And so coming um, to get to know the women that um, are presented in the monologues themselves, the women who are in the show with us and learning from them, experiencing life through their eyes, getting to know um, different perspectives on things. I mean, we can all live in our own little bubble, but if we come up out of that and we can see what, um, for lack of a better word, what turns other people on, right? Like what gets your your blood pumping? What gets you so excited about something? And there, um, there are people who are, are excited about, you know, being teachers and being um PR folks. And like, these are things that I, I'm like, I'm not, I'll never be a teacher, like, rah, you know? And so it's like, I, I love seeing people get super excited. There was one woman who was, who was an, uh, an engineer. And I was like, what are you, why you're in the show? This is so cool. Like what's happening right now? Right. You know, but she's a badass engineer in her firm and like rocking, watching her rock that is like incredible to me. Yeah. And so f- drawing on the strengths of others, and reminding myself sometimes constantly that I also have that within myself when I'm feeling uh, less than stellar, less than badass. It's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through tomorrow? Right, I don't right. really know. Um, I can pull on that and know that I'm not alone in those thoughts. And I think being able to come out so much later in life, I didn't have the same 
barriers as others, particularly as of, of the folks that we'll be serving soon, in that I didn't need the the house and the home and the protection of my my parents. I I need their love and I and I appreciate my relationship with them and all sure. of those things. But I was already established in my life, and so my coming out story is is um, unremarkable, if you will. Okay, and I was very safe in in coming out to everyone around me. My parents were the last people to find out and they were very supportive in their own way. Sure. Um, and we navigate that sometimes daily and what that looks like. Um, but I know that they love me and they love me unconditionally. There's some, some things about understanding and generational just stuff, right. That we all probably have in our families and, and that's related to that. But I think that in to your point about this position in being the executive director of an organization that serves LGBTQ folks, being a member of that community myself is important. Um, and it's, it's, it's a powerful statement for the organization to make, not that they sought out someone specifically in the community to be the leader, but it's important, I think, to have that person to be uh, a positive role model for the young people who will be coming through the program to know that while it may be difficult right now and coming out right now may have literally rocked the very boat that you were in your whole life, Mm -hmm. that what's possible on the other side of that is uh, a place of strength and power and badassery right, right. <laughs> and being able to claim your own space and um, create change for yourself and learning who you can depend on and how to navigate those relationships along the way. Yeah. So I hope that not only with myself, but the other agencies that we're partnering with and bringing in other members of the LGBTQ community to come uh, do um, workshops or presentations or just, hey, you know, I'm a professional so-and-so, and I'm coming in to talk about, you know, um, this career, that's a possibility for anybody. And so just having those conversations with folks to have, um, like I said, positive role models in their lives that's is great. important. Yeah. So, Jenny, I'm curious to know, what brings you joy? What makes you happy? <sighs> Being on stage. <laughs> I think in a whole like, parallel universe, I'm a professional actor somewhere, and that's all I, all I do. <laughs> right. Um, but really there's so many things watching other people um, come into their own um, power to discover that they have more within them than they thought was possible. Um, But in the purest sense, I love watching my wife play with our dog out in the front yard. Like they are ridiculous together and it (laughs) makes me so happy. Um, (laughs) It really is. It's the best thing. Stevie's a big dog person, yeah, so you yeah, just her yeah. eyes. We have up. an eighty-five pound like Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and she just rips through that yard. And and she and my wife have a very very special connection, and I love watching them together. It's so much fun. I love watching my own kid um, on stage. He's also pursuing oh nice acting and and things like that in high school and. He's actually really good. And so I'm really excited to see that part of him um, flourish and, and for him to come into his own in that. Um, and just think just random acts of kindness, I think, also really, really bring me a lot of joy. Yeah. I really try to pay attention to that. My mother always says, look for the blessings. And 
that's kind of the one thing I look out for is when somebody holds a door or just picks up a random piece of trash or whatever, because it's not even about being kind to each other directly. Sometimes it's just about being kind to the universe and to the world and to this earth that we live on and taking up space and we take up way too much space. I mean, I could talk about so many different things. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. You are so kind and and so authentic. You have such a big heart. And that really, I I said that from the minute I met you and and Stevie and I were talking about um, even preparing for this podcast. And I'm like, you have to meet Jenny White. (laughs) Like after our first conversation and you talked about how kindness matters and and be kind to ourselves and to each other. And I thought, okay, there were times where road rage was about to hit. And I'm like, channel your inner Jenny White, <laughs> please. But um, we, all should. we all should uh, channel Absolutely. our inner, uh, inner uh, Jenny White. But we're so thrilled to have you and to know you and to support you and, and certainly look forward to your uh, success and, and everything that you're going to be doing and have been doing uh, with Trinity Haven. Um, my favor to ask you is uh, if you would be willing to close out this podcast with a poem that you shared with us. And I know it's um, an emotional one for for you and and um, I just it's it's meaningful and uh, I would love it if you could share it with us. Thank you, I appreciate that. It's been my pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Our deepest fear, by Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate you so much. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, thank you again for being here and joining us today. And, and for our listeners, even if it's just our moms, <laughs> this first time around listening to <laughs> us as we get started, we thank you. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Write a review or shoot us a message at badasserylife at gmail.com. And if you'd like to know more about Jenny, I had the privilege of writing a blog about her and getting to know her and telling a little bit more of her story. And that's online at badasserylife.com. Jenny, it's been a pleasure. And I, when Kelly uh, sent me your information, I read your bio and, and the answers that you wrote to the questions. I'm like, not only do I want to know her, I need to be a really good friend to her. <laughs> and I want her to be a, a good friend to me too. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's really been my pleasure to be here. I really appreciate both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And any last minute, like where – 
our listeners, our thousands of millions of listeners, what, uh, where can they find more information about Trinity Haven? Sure. Uh, Trinity Haven has a presence online on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Insta, what the kids call it, Insta, <laughs> and Twitter. But our website is www.trinityhavenindy.org. And the Vagina Monologues will be February 13th through the 15th. Yes. 8 p.m. at the Church Within, and that is benefiting Trinity Haven as well. I know you mentioned that earlier, but um, after listening to this, hope the ticket sales go. Yes. I sure hope so, too. We've sold out for the last few years, so get your tickets while you can. Well, I have to make the act the, the button live, but as soon as they're live, uh, get your tickets as soon as you can. It oh, will we will. Out. Yeah. We will. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you again. Our music today is performed by Kevin McLeod. And I'd also like to thank our friend Jenny Duran for helping us edit this as well, too. So thanks again and um, for the next experiences.